I was studying something, and I didn't even know how to bring it forth because it was good, and I knew it needed to be two parts. I know next week is Mother's Day, so there may be a slight pause between my part two, and that'll be okay. I wanted to start out just by asking you something, though. Have you ever considered children's artwork? I have a slide for this one that I love. With kids' artwork, have you ever just stopped to think about it or look at it? It's funny when you're a parent, as a pastor, nothing will check your humility like a kid's depiction of you. And what's really wild, it hit me. If you have a child who draws like this, the kid will bring a picture to you. And they say, what do you think? And inevitably, you know they're going to ask you, you know, well, what is it? And whatever they say it is, that's what it is, right? So if the kid's like, well, that's grandma. You're like, yeah, that's grandma. It looks nothing like grandma, right? And what's amazing, if you have any artistic ability whatsoever, like I could sit down and draw a picture that probably looks like a grandma, and I could show it to my kid, and the kid will wrinkle their nose up and be like, yeah, that doesn't look like her at all. You ever have a kid do that to you? Like they check you, and you're like, no, seriously, that's like Picasso level there, kid. That is grandma. Spiritually, we can fall into that same kind of thing. We can get to a place where how we see things, that's how it is. And it may look like a mess, but that's how we see it. I wanted to talk today about the fact that God is looking for two things. He's looking for someone to acknowledge him. But he's also looking for someone to act upon what they see. We come to a place where we can simply acknowledge who God is. But to truly get into it, we need to begin to act accordingly. I'm going to reference two things today. The first scriptures will come from 1 Samuel chapter 6. The second, 2 Samuel. I can't even speak. Samuel. Yeah, Samuel chapter 6. This coffee thing that I haven't been drinking is really getting to me some days. Before we start, I'm going to say something to you. It's time to get back. It's time to get back. Now, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. It's time to get back to a place where we knew who we were in Jesus. It's time to get back to the things that we know are required of us when it comes to God. So we have this. In 1 Samuel chapter 6, we have the Ark of the Covenant. It's been captured. This Ark, this sacred Ark of the Covenant, it had been in a place called Shiloh, which was a place of peace. The children of Israel, they were going to go into battle. And so they took the holy thing from a place of peace and they carry it into battle. 
Now, as we talked about before, the children of Israel would go through these cycles where they wouldn't be doing good with God, and then they would be doing good. But when they got in that in-between place, they would often rely on things almost like God's their good luck charm. They would get into a place where they would think, if we do this, then how we're behaving doesn't really matter. And this ark, it represented the glory of God. It's called that Shekinah glory, a kabod. Kabod means a weight. So when it was around, you were aware that the presence of God was around. You were aware that the glory was around. You didn't mistake it for anything else. You weren't aloof to what was going on. This ark wasn't something to worship. It was a representation of the glory of God. It was a representation of this almighty Jehovah, first and last. And when it was present, people stood in respect. When it comes to the ark, when the worship was pure, the presence of God would dwell. When the worship was pure, when you give God what God is due, he dwells in a place. Now, we know that God is everywhere. Have you ever been in a place where his spirit just settled and dwelled? Have you ever been in a place where you feel the weight of who he is in that moment? And it just melts you. This ark, it wasn't made to be common. It wasn't made to be treated common. It wasn't made for man's purposes. It was made for God's purposes. And when we get into a place where we begin looking at the things of God as how they work in our lives, that's when things can get messed up. So the children of Israel, they learn the hard way that when you don't do right by the glory of God, bad things happen. The ark's captured. After it's captured, a few things become apparent. It's captured by the Philistines, by their arch enemies. It's apparent that it's not a trophy to be taken. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's not something to be put on display. It's not something to be mocked. That's the ark. But what happens when I replace that with glory? The glory of the Almighty God is not a trophy for us. The glory of the Almighty God is not something for me to put on a shelf and display. It's not something for me to mock when someone else gets blessed, and I don't understand how that is, so I'm just going to mock it because that can't be of God. The glory, I'm going to talk about it a little more today. Where there's glory, there's power. Where there's glory, there's power. That weight, it was the power, and it would set you back. It's time to get back to a place where we feel the weight of glory. Because see, that presence will not dwell in a place where unrighteousness is a lifestyle. It just won't. So the Philistines, they took this thing. And when they took it and they lived in a way that did not acknowledge the true God, no matter where they moved this ark, terrible things happened terrible things. It got to the point where they all got together and they're like, what can we do to make things better? And it was said, get rid of this thing if you want things to go back the way they were. With the glory of God, if you want things to go back to the darkness, to the way they were, then try to get rid of the glory of God. 
If you're in a place where you look back and you say, things were easier before I started this walk. When it's around, it makes things uncomfortable because it, it forces me to acknowledge who he is. But it's so much easier when I don't need to acknowledge who he is. And so here's what the Philistines did. They took that ark. They put it on an ox cart. They put some gold with it. The gold representing the bad things that had happened to them. And they sent those oxen that away. And they took it back to the Israelites. No, that's weird. Strange story. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you're looking at the world doing things with God? They're putting God on a cart. They're telling God, go over there. Saying to God, get out of here. We don't like when you're here. We don't like what's happening. Have you ever seen the church try to put God on a cart and say, yeah, don't come here. We don't like what happens when you're around here. Have you ever in your own heart tried to put God on a cart and say, yeah, not here, that way? It's one thing to acknowledge. It's another thing to act. We fast forward to second chan. I can't say it again. Okay, so that second book that Samuel wrote. So the time has come for the ark to be returned to the holy city. And this is amazing. In verse 4 of chapter 2, I'm not going to say the book. You know what it is. It says that the ark had been kept in the house of Abinadab. It's this house. It's up on the hill. His name, it means willingness. And there are going to be times, like this is what's wild. I'm the ark at his house. That's a tall order. And when God comes along with a tall order, are you going to be willing? Like it wasn't, if you're a kid in school and there's a guinea pig in the class, we used to have this thing and everybody got the guinea pig for a week. And some kid, eventually, the guinea pig didn't make it back to school. But, you know, sometimes that would happen. But the ark of God was not like that. Everybody didn't get a week to keep it at their house. This was unprecedented. So it's sitting in this guy's house. Are you willing to really upset things and to bring it right in the middle? Are you willing to say, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to move everything. I'm going to put that ark right here in the living room. You know what? I'm going to put that here, and it is going to be central to everything that goes on in my family. The glory, yup, bring it here. This is what Abinadab had done. He had two boys. One of the boys was named Ahio, which reminds me of something which I must tell you. My nephew, who does things that are funny, he was working the draft this week, and there was a player from Michigan on national television as a like person talking about this. And we get a picture. And it's my nephew standing behind him outside the window. And he's doing OHIO behind the Michigan player on the national television. So that's what I thought of when I saw Ohio. But the other brother, his name is Uzzah. Do you know what Ohio means? 
It means brother, which fits well with this story because he was the brother of Uzzah. But I'm not going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about Uzzah. And here's what happens. When the time comes for the ark to be moved back, David, it says in verse 1 of chapter 2, that he assembles 30,000 choice men. He gets them together like, we're going, we're going to get that ark, we're going to bring it back to the holy city. This is how it's going to go down. There were instruments, there was a crowd, there was King David. This was a party. It was a parade going on. It says in verse Three. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, they drove the new cart. And they brought it up out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. They accompanied the ark of God. And Ahio, he went before the ark. Stop. Abinadab, a little Bible history. Him and his family were from a tribe. They were called Kohathites. And you may not have heard that before because we don't throw it around a whole lot. They were a small clan of the tribe of Levi. These people were tasked with a job, and their job was to move the tent of the tabernacle and its furnishings when God's people would move. This is before the temple was around. But they weren't allowed to move the ark. Okay, so they had access to the tent, to the furnishings, but never the ark. And what's wild about this is when it came to the ark, it could only be moved by certain people who had been authorized, who had been ordained, who had been anointed. And when they moved it, they didn't grab it with hands. They used poles to move it. It was a very specific process. Have you ever gotten to a point where you've said, God, I know that you want me to do it this way, but... Oh, it could be about anything. God, I know that you don't want me to talk like a sailor when I get angry, but... God... I know you don't want me to do a thousand other things but pray and read my Bible in the morning, but got to see Sports Center. Got to see Fox and Friends. Got to see OAN because I'm mad at Fox and Friends. Right? But God gives specific things that are to be done, and we can rationalize in a spiritual way. I continue the story, verse 6. And when they came to Nishan's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God. He took hold of it. When he takes hold of the ark, he's struck down. God's anger was kindled. He was struck down. And you hear that story and you think, but he was trying to do a good thing. Why would God, whoa, whoa. And so you imagine this big party that was happening and the damper that was put on the party at that point when this happens. The truth is this. Rarely is one act of disobedience not followed by others. And so at the point when he stepped up, there were some things that probably preceded that, some attitudes that had kind of formed, some things that he knew he shouldn't be doing and he had toyed with, and he got to a point where he thought, I'll just step up. 
If I didn't get struck down then, if I didn't get struck down then, if I didn't, then I may not get struck down now. Well, you know what? He got struck down. His name, Uzzah, it means strength. We live in a time where it's all about how we feel, us feeling strong, us feeling accepted, us feeling safe, validated. It's all about this inner strength kind of thing to move, even within the church, which some would call progressive Christianity. It's progressing backwards when we adhere to that. It doesn't matter how strong you are, there's going to be a bump in the road. It doesn't matter how strong you are, there's going to be a bump. And the irony, but not really in this, is that the bump came at the threshing floor. A threshing floor is a place where they would take that wheat and where the wheat and the chaff would be separated. It was a place where things would get shaken out. So ironically, when they get to that place, the oxen hit a bump and the cart starts to tip. God is saying that he loves you enough for there to be a bump in the road sometimes. He loves you enough to be beside you when there's that bump in the road. But that same God says in 1 Peter 1.16, be ye holy for I am holy. Be, that's a state of being verb. And what that tells me is that in every situation, there is a choice or an option, a holy choice or a holy option. Wherever you are right now, there is a holy choice you can make and there's an unholy choice that you can make. Whatever it is, if it's at work, if it's in your marriage, if it's with your children, whatever it may be, there is a holy choice that you can make. We can get to a place where Scripture can become something we use for our benefit instead of the benefit of God Almighty. It says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there can be a point in our walk where we feel like if any effort is put forth, then God can't be in it, right? Because his burden's light. We can get to a place where any type of struggle, we're like, yeah, God can't be in this. Really? The weight was never meant to wear you out. The weight of his glory was never meant to wear you out. It was to help you recognize. It was to help you understand his heart. Something that I learned talking to a lady the other day at REI. That when the weight is distributed evenly in a pack, it doesn't feel like that amount of weight which I knew, I mean, it made sense, but when she said it, I'm like, that's so profound. The weight that you're carrying when evenly distributed, you can make the journey that God has put before you. And one of the most awkward things, like as a guy, one of the most awkward things for me, for a few reasons, is to get measured for a suit, because number one, I don't like wearing suits, but number two, like it's just really weird. People are like measuring your out seam and in seam and that seam and whatever seams. Like you're just like, it's awkward. <laughs> and with a backpack, they measure you and it can be awkward because you're just used to being a kid. And like I want the Snoopy one. 
You know, I want the ET backpack. I want whatever. And I just put it on. But there's, there's a way and there's a humility that goes about getting measured up for the way you're going to carry the weight. I think of looking at this, this idea that I'm nearing a point in life where I understand that in order to preserve my body, I must not try to keep up with the young pups. Yep, I'm like an Advil commercial most days when I try to do things with younger people. And there's a point in strength where you can think that you're leaning into your own strength, but you're really doing damage. There's a saying that the world has, and you can repeat this because I think it's, let's see this saying. Weird flex, but okay. Can you repeat that to the person beside you? When I wrote that, I was thinking about Janet turning and saying this because I love that. So weird flex, but okay. There are times that you do things and it's just weird and people don't know what to make about it. Spiritually, people don't know what to do when you're just like showing up and you're like, yeah, you know what? I've been steady keel for a while, but I think I'm just going to do something crazy out of my own strength. That can really rock the boat when it comes to church because people are like, what is going on with that person? It's time to get back, though. It's time to get back. We need to get back to an Isaiah approach where Isaiah, when he's in the presence of God, for I'm ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then there's this Uzzah approach. This Uzzah approach does this. It assumed that when the ark was rocking, when it was on that cart, that his hands were cleaner than the ground that it would fall on. That in some way, these human hands are more holy than the ground that God had made at that point. Here's the truth. God doesn't need me to take him for a walk. God doesn't need me to take him for a walk. I need to focus on walking with God. Have you ever had a dog that's taken you for a walk? It ain't fun. When I walk with God, I find out that God doesn't need me to be his babysitter. I find that God's not scared of the dirt. I find that when God's presence meets the dust, that new life is created. I'm reminded of the fact that every holy thing on this earth was at one point probably not holy. And it checks me. It checks me. And it brings me where I need to be. And it reminds me of this fact. (laughs) I don't need to defend a lion. I only need to get out of his way. That's who I serve. That's my God. There was a commercial that used to be out. And it was, this is not your father's Oldsmobile. Cutlass Supreme. And the idea with this is Oldsmobile being this company of just these luxury type vehicles moving into this place, this new and exciting place. There's this implication that the way that things were being done were better in some way. 
more real. It's real. There was a time that I remember growing up in church when the older people would say, God, I will go where you lead me. But as time marches on, we can get to a place through progressive Christianity that we say, God, you need to follow me where I'm going. We say, God, I know it's supposed to be this way, but did God really mean that? Here's what's dangerous about that statement. You know where it originated? In the Garden of Eden. So when you find yourself saying, I know what holiness should look like, but I'm going to do it my way, what you're saying is, did God really mean that? Here's a statement. My God doesn't need to be woke. He got it right the first time. He doesn't need me at the ripe old age of almost 50 to tell the eternal God how it should be. Because I know and I have got my finger on the pulse of society and God, this is what you should do and this is what... God's not looking for efficient innovation. Uzzah found that out. The cart was an easier way to get the ark from here to there, but God wasn't looking for efficient innovation, and he isn't now in shortcuts around the glory or getting the glory where we need the glory to be. His strength is made perfect in my weakness, and it's time that I approach the throne and realize how weak that I am. It's time that I get in his presence and realize it's not a woe is me because he doesn't love me, but a woe is me because who am I to tell him who he is? God back then determined how the glory should be carried. His ways are not relative to a situation. And in your life, if the glory is starting to feel a little lighter, maybe it's not the glory that you're carrying. You can't carry the full weight of it if you try to do things your way. The children of Israel learned that, and the glory was taken from their camp. The Philistines learned that the hard way. The glory wasn't something to be trifled with. Uzzah learned this the hard way. That just because his daddy had the ark in his house, it didn't mean that that same level of respect was just passed down in the genes. And I say that for this house as well that the godly heritage that has gone before is not one that we're just going to have in our genes. It's one that we have to chase after. It's one that we have to take just as seriously as if it was our house that they came knocking and said, will you put the ark in your living room? I'm going to be ending in a minute here. Here's what's wild. Do you think that Uzzah just thought up that whole ox cart thing on his own? He probably remembered back to the day when the Philistines sent that thing back on the ox cart. He probably remembered thinking, wow, what a great idea. You're going to be tempted to look at the way that the world treats God and you're going to want to treat him the same way. 
You're going to be tempted to see the way they make him like a luxury or treat him conveniently when it's okay for them, and you're going to be tempted to do the same thing. But what pulls the cart of everyday things was never meant to hold the glory. So whatever it is that just gets you by, God deserves better. Whatever it is that just gets the job done, God deserves better. Whatever just keeps things sticking together in your life, God deserves better. Take it there. Because relationship, it'll call you to a higher standard. Oh, those Philistines, they didn't know all the rules that God's people knew about how to handle this ark. They just wanted out of there. But as a child of God, there is an expectation that he has of you. There is a responsibility that comes. When it comes to the glory, we cannot just be about the way that it blesses us. But we have to also be about the fact that it comes with responsibility. That God is serious about his glory. That it's not just like a kid going to the door and trick-or-treating and getting a hundred grand bar. That, that's the way we can get. God, what are you going to put in my basket? Trick or treat, God, I'm at church. What can you give me? We need to understand there's a responsibility to this and walk accordingly. In closing with this idea, God said this. He said in Exodus 20, you should not bow down yourself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We live in a society where that word has conjured up all kinds of lifetime movies, Dr. Phil, hour-long episodes. And it doesn't mean that our God is insecure. It means that he made that heart. He knows what's best for that heart. And it breaks his heart to see us chase after things that are only going to lead to heartbreak for us in the end. That jealousy is one of no compromise. It's one of saying that I have the plan, son or daughter. Trust me. Trust me. After Uzzah died, you know what happened? The parade stopped. And for us today, whose lives may just feel like we're walking through, like it's some kind of parade, like it's some kind of walk we're taking, we need to stop the parade. We need to take stock of what's going on. We need to take a snapshot of where things are right now. If you'll stand. Here's what I'm going to ask. going to read a couple things off. Ask yourself these questions. God, when it comes to your presence, am I taking you for granted? God, when it comes to my strength, am I relying on it too much when it comes to you? God, I hear the word holy all the time, but what does it really mean? in my life take it from a church word and make it a personal word God what areas are you spotlighting right now that you're saying that's not holy and to be clear with holy holy was set apart and not common 
What common things am I putting before you, God? Take a second and take stock within your own home. What things are around your house that need to go? And by go, I mean gone. Not, well, I could give that to someone else. Seems like a shame to pour out perfectly good beer. Seems like a shame to get rid of a perfectly good laptop on which I have viewed pornography 573 times. What do you need to get rid of? What's a stumbling block in your home? We're going to pray because there's a mission before us. There's a mission and you are tasked with returning the glory taking it from a place of chaos back to a place of peace, showing the world that God Almighty means what he says. And when they feel the weight that you are with, walking beside, they're going to know it's real. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, speak personally. Whisper personally. You're not a father who would beat us up. You're a good, good father who has our best at heart in mind. And Lord, I pray that you would spotlight everyone right now. Whisper to them, this is the area that I'm trying to show you. This is having more of an effect than you think it is. This is a weight that's pulling you down. Let them know that it doesn't need to make sense to anyone in this world if you said it. And Father, I pray that we would learn the difference between the common and the holy and act accordingly in every step and in every moment. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.